But what's been fascinating for me is the amount of high level successful men that reach out to me, guys that are like crushing it, guys that are running seven, eight figure, you know, companies, guys that are doctors, lawyers, CEOs, we've had pastors, like these guys that are out there, like, if you look at their life, very similar to mine, right? You know, it's like, you check in the boxes of success, right? You know, you got the business, you got the family, you got all these other pillars. It's like, you check these boxes. How, how the hell does this one thing over here, like you, you don't have control over that? You're gonna tell me that some flashy pixels on a screen are, are controlling you. So for me, when I bring personal responsibility to the content that's, that I create, it's obviously very clearly directed to a man that is struggling with pornography. What is the habit or addiction in your life that is inconsistent with the future that you say you want? Do you know how to change it? If there's anything you want to change in your behavior or thinking, this conversation is for you. Hello, my friends. My name is Chad, and this is the Naked Leadership Podcast, high-stakes conversations for relentless company founders. My co-hosts and I have over six decades of combined experience in leadership coaching, and this podcast is where we explore it all. There's no conversation too risky. This week, Adrian, Dan, and I sit down with Frank Rich host of the Superhuman Life podcast and all-around amazing human. Frank is a brilliant entrepreneur and company founder, and he coaches people through addiction. In this conversation, we talk about the antidote to addiction and how we can own our perceptions to change the future. Let's dive in. Gentlemen, it's so good to be with you. Dan, Adrian, so good to see you. Yeah, so great to be here. Excited for this conversation. Good to be back. Good to be back in the conversation. Good to have you, man. Uh, This week, we have a guest with us, Frank Rich. Frank, we're so grateful that you took the time to sit down and have this conversation with you. Um, This is fun because Adrian's actually going to make an appearance on your podcast that I'm excited to listen to. You guys have teased that conversation to me a little bit, and it, it really caught my attention. So I'd love for you guys to tease that a little bit, too, as we go through the conversation, but thanks for being here. Absolutely, Chad. No, uh, real honor to, to be with you guys here today. Looking forward to uh, to our conversation. So I want to start where we always start, which is your story. What what brings you to this conversation? Uh, what's your background? Yeah, absolutely. And I and I appreciate uh, that, Chad. Um, you know, for me, I think what, what would bring me here today, well, I, I, I host a podcast, right? You kind of mentioned it there. We got a, an amazing conversation coming up with Adrian pretty soon uh, where we dived into leadership, some of the things we agreed upon. And it was interesting because I think there were a couple things uh, that maybe we saw a little bit differently. So that was, that was a really great conversation. Hopefully you guys can check that out in the audience as well. For me, so, you know, I've been in entrepreneurship running, you know, running businesses, starting businesses for 10 years. But if we even go, you know, 10 years, prior to that, you know, almost right out of not high school, but two years post high school, like I got thrust into some pretty high level uh, leadership uh, training and and sales. So it's a data like early 2000s, I was part of a, a very large wireless company with about 500 locations across the country. Um, and at the time I was overseeing the Southwest Florida division for sales and management training. So very young age, I had quite a bit of responsibility on the professional side of things. But with that came a lot of very intense training. So I learned 
neurolinguistic programming. I learned sales, persuasion, influence, running teams, managing multiple locations. I mean, you know, I think we had about 60 employees at the time spread across 12 locations. So a lot of responsibility for, for a very, very young man. 20s, I kind of bounced around, um, you know, some sales positions, spent a little bit of time in executive recruiting uh, towards the end of my 20s. And then at the age of 30s, when I started my first company, which was a ticket brokerage. So we bought and sold concert tickets, sporting events, theater shows, kind of on the entertainment side of things. We did VIP special packages, really trying to create, you know, meaningful and, and significant experiences for people, uh, whether it was at sports or concerts or, or whatnot. Ran that uh, company for five years from 2013 to 2018. Um, very s small operation. It was me and you know a handful of part-time staff, but we were able to you know do a couple million dollars um, in gross sales. Which you know for somebody without a college degree, you know early 30s, first company, like was quite a bit of success. Shifting in the marketplace kind of brought that almost to to an end. It was really getting squeezed out by the bigger players. You know, most people are aware of your stub hubs, your vivid seats, your ticket masters, ticket network. Those were the guys that were really trying to squeeze out the smaller guys like me. So I, I foresaw an end to that business. And that's when I got into the online marketing side of things. So I started uh, Frank Rich Fitness, an online fitness coaching company, 2017. And that really thrust me into the digital marketing space. So learning Facebook ads, learning, you know, social media, content creation, so forth. And that's really what I've been, you know, focusing on on the business side of things for the last five or six years. So running Frank Rich Fitness, I also uh, helped start a marketing agency in 2019 uh, that we worked with seven and eight figure uh, business owners uh, overseeing their entire marketing strategy. So literally from marketing strategy creation all the way through the creative uh, development, writing sales copy, graphic design. Um, it was pretty much a done for you full service agency in 2019 and 2020. And then for the last two and a half, three years, I've been hosting the podcast, The Superman Life. Um, and then in 2020, January of that year, I started a company helping men overcome pornography addiction, uh, which was really a byproduct of my own personal journey. But that's been the main focus for me business-wise is building up and scaling rebuilt recovery for the last two, two and a half years. And we do that through um, a massive content, you know, media strategy. Um, you know, we have uh, free books, free offers, uh, courses, coaching programs, one-on-one -on -one, group coaching, so forth and so forth. And we just launched a mastermind uh, here last, last month. So yeah, kind of quick, you know, 30,000 overfoot view of, I guess, my professional journey here. You've lived a few lives. A couple of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was no short story man that's great i want to i just want to make sure i have so many questions already but uh, i want to make sure we don't gloss over so the your podcast superhuman life that's the, the superhuman that's, life yep. the superhuman life great um and then the born recovery program is rebuilt recovery is that rebuilt rebuilt recovery yes awesome do you mind talk like how why why did you start Rebuilt Recovery? Do you mind talking about that for just a minute? Yeah, man. No. Well, so so the podcast for me was really the beginning. It was kind of the genesis of everything. So, you know, this was, you know, I don't need to tell you guys, you know, the 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 depth of my, you know, 20 year porn addiction. There's plenty of those conversations out there. But let's just say I, I had a really bad pornography addiction. It really had a grip on me for, I say 20 years, but it was really probably the last five years, probably right around the time I started my first 
company. It became uh, a way to cope with stress, manage, um, you know, just a lot of pressure that I was that I was going through. And as somebody that was, you know, running his business from home at the time, it became very easy. Um, so it, it got pretty in, in, intense, you know, in terms of of my struggle really towards the end of 2018, because at that time, one company is kind of coming to an end. Um, I had made some poor financial kind of decisions in and around there. The other company was just trying to get off the ground. I'm in kind of a struggling relationship. So 2018 became a really tough year. Um, you know, I, uh, a big part of my story has been, been my faith. So I did find my faith in, in late 2018. And that was a big part of the journey that I've, that I've been on since then. Um, a few months after, you know, finding my faith is when I really came face to face with myself. You know, I was trying to build an online fitness company. And, you know, when you're, when you're talking about fitness, you're trying to help people, you know, whether it's through training, getting in shape, like there's always this element of personal development, right? I mean, even in kind of what you guys are doing here, it's leadership kind of tied into personal development. Like, so I'm trying out there to help people improve the quality of their life. Um, but I'm struggling so much internally. Like I had this, I mean, almost like just talk with myself one morning in the mirror, like, Frank, you're an absolute fraud. How are you going to help people become the best version of themselves when you're struggling? You have these secrets, addictions, and behaviors that are, you know, literally controlling your life. You know, the double life. you're lying to your girlfriend. Yeah. You know, yeah. you talked about, you, you said it at the beginning, right? I lived multiple lives. Well, I gave you one side of that, that entire 20 year, there was a whole nother double life that I was living. And I know Adrian, you know, can, can resonate with this. You do that long enough, man. It's, it really, builds a deep hole in inside. Um, and I just had a point where it was like, I decided I needed to take personal responsibility for everything that I'd done. Um, so after kind of understanding, you know, the real depth of pornography addiction and how it was impacting my brain, I was able to see the tie to some of the struggles that I was going through, you know, social anxiety, depression, like, like very dark thoughts, like all tied to the things that I was consuming. So when I made the decision in February of 2019 to quit, um, it was because I wanted more for my life. And I knew that the only way for me to get there was to begin to take responsibility and begin to just tell truth to, to everybody. So I went through this, you know, literally like Rolodex of all of my friends. And I just opened up, and I said, Hey, man, you know me for five years you know, these parts about me, but what you don't know is this. And it was amazing because every time I shared it with somebody, it was like this pressure that I had put on myself got a little bit lighter, a little bit lighter, a little bit lighter because I was never condemned. You know, I was never shamed from another individual. All the shame in my life was brought on upon by me. And when I, when, when people began to accept me, it was like, wow, okay. Like I can be free. I can actually be who Frank is supposed to be. Um, so my life changed, you know, over those next three to four months. So that's February of 2019. The podcast for me started first, Chad, that was to share what I had gone through. Like, oh my, like as somebody that had succeeded in corporate America, had succeeded in entrepreneurship, had done bodybuilding. I mean, there's a whole other part of my story where I competed as a high level bodybuilder for 10 years that I didn't even talk about. So I had the tools to change my body. I had the tools to change other people. But how the hell did I struggle with a pornography addiction in the depths that I did? So I wanted to talk about this because maybe there was other people out there in the world. And I didn't know at the time how big this thing really was. So I started the podcast literally to share my story and have conversation with others with hope that it would inspire somebody else. At that time, I was very deep into building the marketing company. Like that was what I was focused on doing professionally. 
as the podcast began to grow, we got recognized by Apple in the first couple of months, like new and noteworthy. We began to get some traction. The messages I began to receive from people like on social media changed because I was still running the fitness business. So there were still people that would reach out. Thank you for your programs, helping me get big, strong, lean, jack, whatever it was. Those messages would still come, but people here in the podcast would be, Frank, thank you for your willingness to address these taboo topics. Thank you for your vulnerability. Thank you for sharing how you've been able to overcome this. A couple of months go by, people start saying, Frank, can you help me? And at first, like I had no clue, like how to do this. Like, I, I don't know, like listen to what I'm talking about and then maybe go apply it. Well, those messages became a lot more regular. Um, and just through, you know, incredible people and mentorship in my life, they're like, Frank, there's, there's something there for you. Like you went through everything you went through to get to this point, you need to figure out a way to help, help these men. So I started rebuild recovery really out of a need because people were calling upon for it. Thanks, man. Thanks for telling that story. It's powerful. It's really powerful. You, um, <clears throat> you mentioned needing to take per personal responsibility. And when, when we got connected, as I was kind of looking at some of your content and what you were about trying to get a feel, there was a very clear through line for me uh, around this idea of personal responsibility. And I was like, okay, this is this would be gold for a conversation around what is personal responsibility. I almost hear it, you know, this is way too simplified of, of, of an assessment, but to me, it, what I heard in your story is almost that for you, personal responsibility was an antidote to the addiction. And I don't want to put that on you, but I'm just wondering, like, is that, is that a theme? And what, when you talk about personal responsibility, what are you talking about? Yeah, that's that's very well said, Chad. Um, man, I'm like, <laughs> swipe that and use that a little bit later on. The antidote to addiction is personal responsibility. I think that's it, man. You know, um, it's it's been fascinating for me to hear from and have as many conversations with men as I do at all walks of life. You know, I get the young kids that reach out every once in a while. These guys are, you know, they've been really looking at this thing since they were 12, 13 years old, and now they're 20 or in their early 20s. And it's like, they don't know any other way of life. But what's been fascinating for me is the amount of high level successful men that reach out to me, guys that are like crushing it, guys that are running seven, eight figure, you know, companies, guys that are doctors, lawyers, CEOs, we've had pastors, like these guys that are out there, like, if you look at their life, very similar to mine, right? You know, it's like, you check in the boxes of success, right? You know, you got the business, you got the family, you got all these other pillars. It's like, you check these boxes. How, how the hell does this one thing over here, like you, you don't have control over that? You're gonna tell me that some flashy pixels on a screen are, are controlling you. So for me, when I bring personal responsibility to the content that's, that I create, it's obviously very clearly directed to a man that is struggling with pornography. So there's, and I understand that, right? You know, I understand that when I'm talking to a camera to a, you know, to, for a piece of content, like I'm talking to one individual, I'm talking to the guy that is maybe playing victim in his life, you know, and, 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 and you see this a lot in, in addiction, right? You know, 12 steps, uh, which has done more good for addiction recovery than any other organization in the world. I have a problem with their first step. Um, I don't believe that we give our power over to something else. I think we recognize at the beginning that maybe we're allowing something else to control us. 
But if you raise your hand every single day, which is something they do in, in any 12 steps of program, and you say, I'm powerless and I'm surrendering myself to this addiction, I'm going to call upon a higher power. But even in that powerless feeling, for me, that's injecting like a victim mindset, a victim mentality. So for me, the personal responsibility in our content, the way that I talk about it is, no, you are not powerless. You are making a choice and decision, whether it's running to pornography or talk about any addiction, running to a bottle, running to drugs, sex, gambling, choice made on you. And if you're going to say that something outside of yourself is causing you to do that, that's living in a victim mindset and that's passing off the responsibilities. So that's kind of how I, you know, bring it, I guess, in, 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 into our world. Yeah. Dan, Adrian, I'd love to hear from you. What are you thinking? I so resonate um, with the message. And I'm always, I'm always curious, the word personal responsibility, what other kind of responsibility is there? That's the first thing that I, not that that's an, you know, not on you, just it's a cultural thing. People say personal responsibility, but I don't, resp taking responsibility for my life is personal. <laughs> it, I mean, it, it is. And one of the things that occurred to me is I, I've come out of an addiction background as well. So is Adrian. And in, in my journey back, and I had a double life, much like yours, but was really underground, drug-ridden guns and craziness, and then laundering money back in through a, an official business and basically living a double life that my wife didn't know about, but I know she had, in, you know, later on, of course, she had intuitions as we took responsibility for how we put the life together. We came across that. And one of the things that occurred to me was in altering, taking responsibility is like, I, I, and it just, it, it occurred to me very clearly recently reading a book called Deviate, um, that the way we change our future is by changing our past, the way we relate to our past. And he calls it the future past. He says the brain, and, and this really clicked for me, and it, it connects to what you were saying, that the brain actually automatically derives what was useful from the past. That's how it determines its current action. And the way to change the future is by first changing my relationship to the past. Like what, how am I relating to the past? Because if the brain, if I change my narrative about the past, my brain automatically will find new things that worked in the past that will alter the future that's coming. And, and one of the ways I related to that was how I related to women. I, in my journey with my wife, I got very clear about how I related to women because I, 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 after I confessed to her, and we were talking, we, we made an agreement. She was, you know, we didn't split up. She said, we basically lived in separate rooms for about a year, nine months. And we were going to decide from there because we had a boy. And he was a little kid. He was like nine months old and when this all came down. And in relating to her, I realized that a lot of my actions towards her were related to how I was had thought about women. My mother was a schizophrenic, so I was you know, I looked at women as not to be trusted. So I was constantly keeping a woman on the side for, you know, for a while in our early part of our relationship. And I couldn't understand why I did that. As I started to relate to the past differently, and all of a sudden, that desire disappeared. I reinvented the relationship I had with the past, which altered how I could be with my wife. And I can, it's been 40 years since I've had any kind of attraction to another woman other than, you know, what's a, a legitimate, oh, she's beautiful. I could tell my wife about that, but I just don't indulge in that thinking. But I, it, it's interesting 
when you talk about responsibility, part of that was owning how I had already framed women in this particular case up and how that was impacting my engagement with my wife. And when that came up just out of a dialogue with her where she, I was suspecting her when she was completely authentic. And then when I saw how authentic she was, I was convicted, like, where did this suspicion come from? And it was in that inquiry that the past opened up that way. So I don't know if that made any sense, but it really, when you were talking, that's what it triggered in me. I love that so, so much. Uh, wrote that book down, De Deviate. And Dan, I, I want to hijack this interview right now and ask Dan like six follow-up questions on it, whatever he <laughs> just shared, but maybe we'll bring on the super in life for me to do that. You know, um, I love what you said, man. You know, I, I, I love what you said. And, you know, I get, you know, I get men that come into our program, right. And, you know, they, they instantly go to, you know, this sexual thing happened in the past or this trauma associated, like, and, and they hold on to this happened in the past. It caused this chain of events in my life. And this is how I've landed here today. And they, they accept that they can't go back and change the past. But I love what you said, because you need to change your perception of the story. You need to change how you're telling that narrative to yourself. And it's in that change of how you're perceiving whatever happened, that that's going to unlock to you what you need to do now to move forward. And I always ask these guys, like, how do you need to perceive that past event to be able to create the future life that we want to have? And if we can get really clear on, on that narrative, right, that we have to tell ourselves from whatever events it was that occurred, whether it was sexual abuse, whatever it was, how do you need to perceive that now to empower you through responsibility to be able to create the life that you want. And, and that's where forward. the victim story is, is in that past. Yes. Like somehow this happened to me or there's some place where I had nothing to do with it. I just became this. Yeah. Right? And it's very easy to live there because you can just pass, pass it off and then you don't have to take any responsibility. That's what I was going to say. That victim, that victim fr frame is, is not ownership. I mean, you still own it. You're still creating that perception, but you pretend like you don't create it. Right. And so you're not taking ownership of what you have created. Whereas actually forming a perception of the past events is taking that ownership. It is taking responsibility. This is how I bring it into my life. This is how I think about it for the future that I want to create. That's cool. I've got lots of thoughts here too. Um, <clears throat> yeah. The, it's, I'm just, I'm thinking about folks that might be listening here that maybe porn's not their thing, but may, but I, but I do get um, that everybody finds some way to deal with reality. There are lots of healthy ways to deal with reality. And there are lots of, there are lots of maybe innocuous ways to deal with reality. Um, like I eat pistachios every night in bed. The, the, the hot chili ones, they're so good. They're so good. I know I always want to stop. I just can't stop myself. I'm going to call you Frank and I got to talk about it because I, I pound some red hot. Anyway, um, there's also first step is don't side. take the pistachios into the bedroom. No, I love them. I need them, Frank. You're so unempathetic. You don't know me. But when I was seven, when I was seven, no, just kidding. No, but the, um, I'm just, I mean, there, there are some crossover and, and I, I, I mean, one of the bigger, I guess the themes of this for me, Frank, you re really represent a, a, um, dude, you've had your own journey of, of being willing to stop settling for a, uh, a, a, what's the word, you know, uh, contaminated life. I would m maybe say it that way. Like you had a lot of great stuff going on, but there's like, you know, shit in the soup. And I'll just keep eating the soup. 
you know, I like the soup, but there's shit in it. Okay, fine. I'll just keep eating it. Um, and you took a stand for cleaning up or turning on the lights or whatever you want to call it, you know, metaphorically and wondered and then got, got real and then have built, you know, a life in the light um, or building that, right? That's an always, that's an ongoing um, and it gets dark and then it gets light and it gets dark, and it gets light, whatever. So, you know, and there are probably other, other folks that, that may be coming and say, ah, I don't know, not this, but like, this isn't a specific thing, but t- talk about where, as people come to you, which takes a lot of guts for them to reach out to you, right? It takes a lot of guts to say, you know, Hey Frank, here's what I'm going through. Thanks for sharing your story. And then they can might sneak in a, Hey, by the way, I struggle with some stuff similarly or whatever. Um, what do you think it takes um, for someone to do that? To reach out? Yeah. I mean, reaching out might be a third or fourth step in the process is what I'm pointing to. Like, I'm really curious about, you know, where, as you've seen it and studied it and not participated with it with yourself and for others, like as for anybody that's listening right now, if they've got something going on in their life that they're questioning about around the health of it, the impact of it, like what, walk through kind of where somebody's at before they reach out to you and, and just give some kind of view of the map, if you will, around some of those decisions and some of those perspectives. Yeah, that's a really good question, Adrian. And if there's a, you know, if there's a guy or or a woman, you know, listening right now and you're having those thoughts and you're having those doubts and those questions, now is the time to reach out because it's been my experience. You know, you asked the question like, and, and I think the way that I heard is like, what does it take for a guy to reach out? And unfortunately, in three years of doing this now and, you know, thousand plus consultation calls and hundreds of, you know, men gone through our program, oftentimes what is the catalyst for that is some form of consequence in their life. You know, whether it's uh, a consequence within a relationship, a consequence, um, you know, maybe maybe they've already, you know, wife has separated them. They're sleeping in separate rooms now or girlfriend found out and now they're separated or fiance found out and now the engagement is off or they got caught at work or so usually it's it's the consequence that has become the catalyst. So if you're already like aware enough that, hey, maybe there's some unhealthy behaviors and it doesn't have to be pornography, right? It could be could be a slew of, of things. Obviously, we know the big ones, right? Drugs, sex, gambling, uh, alcohol, pornography, like those are kind of at the top of the spear. But um, I wouldn't point at, you know, pistachios, but if there's, you know, if there's a binge eating of ice cream type of things, like if you, you know, if you're a person, I know people like this in the, in, in, in the fitness industry. I spent a decade, you know, high level bodybuilding, I have a lot of, you know, pro friends. I've, you know, know people that walked across, you know, the Olympia stage and whatnot. You see a lot of people in the fitness industry, though, these are kind of the two day, you know, two times a day gym goer, right? You know, they're, they're three hours in, in the gym. And then what you don't know is that same person is eating themselves to sleep every single night with a pint of ice cream. So, you know, what could be perceived as like a healthy individual is really using the training as a coping mechanism because the reality is that they'd want to sit at home and binge eat on ice cream every night. So if you've already reached that point where it's like you have some awareness that maybe there's some unhealthy behaviors in your life, now is the time to reach out. And it doesn't have to be to a professional. Oftentimes find somebody in your life that you can entrust in, um, you know, for men, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's, it's, it's an uncle type of figure, right? It's a bigger, bigger brother. Even if you're in your fifties or sixties, find somebody that doesn't have to be older, but more senior in a, in a, in an area of your life that maybe you're struggling with and, and just reach out and have the conversation with them because 
if you're not talking about something in your life that you know you're struggling with, that means that that behavior or that thing has power over you because you're not discussing it. You're thinking about it all the time. And those thoughts are just going to cause guilt, shame, and just this feeling of like, am I worthy? You know, these, these type of thoughts. So I would say if you're having that awareness already, like now is the time to talk to somebody. Cause what I've seen is most times it's the consequences. Let's say I'm a guy out there. I'm listening to this and it could be, I mean, this, this applies to a lot of things. I mean, it applies to business. I mean, if, if I have a situation where I'm having a conversation in my head about my partner and I'm starting to do nefarious things because I'm suspecting my partner or I'm setting up for an anticipated betrayal or, you know, I'm, I'm going lame or I'm working with a company and I'm quietly quitting. Those are things like at what, what kinds of, what kinds of behavioral, what kinds of experiences come up that people need to pay attention to that would clue them in to the fact that there's a future coming that if they don't take care of it now, we, we have the, sh we have what we call the shit hors d'oeuvre principle. You know, it comes as an hors d'oeuvre and if you don't eat it, it comes back as a sandwich. And then if you don't eat that, it comes back as a two course, three course buffet and so on. Like how, what do you, what are some of the signs that I ought to take care of this before it takes care of me? Yeah, well, I think if you're, you know, if you're not operating out of a, a core set of values and principles in your life, you know, integrity, honor, like, you know, these real important traits, principles, values that you, you, you live by, like, if you don't have that as a foundation, I think those things that you were just kind of referencing, like, that's where those things are going to manifest. But, you know, especially within a company, like if there's a core set of, of beliefs or values that the company is built upon and the founder CEO is operating from within those, your internal conscious is going to tell you like you're out of alignment. So I think that that is going to be the clear signal, right? Is like, does this, does this feel in alignment with who I am and, and who this company is, is trying to become? So yeah, I, I don't know if I directly, directly answered it, but um, I, I, I would see the lack of a set of values being where those type of things would manifest in a business type type of setting. But if you have that, I, I, I think, you know, let your, your conscience is going to speak to you. Yeah, there. it kind of goes to the old saying, if you don't believe in something, you fall for anything. You know, that's what I hear you saying. Like what you believe in is going to inform where you are, what future's coming. So. The only constant in an organization like yours is change. I want to take just a second to tell you about The Change Imperative, an ebook written by our very own Dan Takini. Let me ask you, how do you personally relate to change in your business? Does it feel like a threat at times? Does it ever feel like you can't keep up with it or it never happens fast enough? Are there certain players on your team that resist change and keep your company stuck? growth, change, and transition, these intersections often come with confusion, frustration, and resistance. You can flip those experiences into clarity, confidence, and alignment with the Change Imperative eBook. The Change Imperative is instructions for innovating with your team. Go ahead and click on the link in the show notes to get your free copy of the Change Imperative now and feel confident about creating the change in your company necessary to take it to the next level. Yeah, well, your beliefs are, you know, eternally what are driving, you know, your actions um, on a on a daily basis. You come back even further, right? It's going to be your thoughts. Uh, thoughts drive your beliefs. Beliefs drive drive your actions. Your actions create your habits. Your habits then produce the reality. 
Yeah. It's that, it's that out of alignment or, or knowing that you're not working towards the future you say you want, right? That, that, Mm -hmm. that discontent, Frank, your, your answer reminded me of a conversation I had with a client yesterday, works with a, a national, international brand, really well known. He works in, in art direction and he's building a team. He's kind of rebuilding a team coming into a new position and you know he was he was telling me about some of the players that he inherited that's that his words not mine he inherited some of these players that just aren't up to snuff and um his his and i conversation went to what what's your stand man like what is the standard for the team you don't know that you don't know the standard in the agreements and once you're clear on the standard in the agreements those people who aren't up for it will eventually weed themselves out because they are going to feel the discontent of not being aligned for the future that you're going to, right? The level of transparency, the level of, of accountability that's going to be required to play on your team, they can't hang. Yeah, can't hide. And yeah, you can't hide. And, and Not even from yourself, right? Right. And especially from yourself. Yeah. I mean, that's where it starts. That's where the lie begins, at least in my experience, I lie to myself and then I lie to others. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what I was going to say. Uh, just thinking about, you know, when, when listen to Jordan Peterson lecture, I don't know, a few weeks ago now. And uh, he, he's quite eloquent about many things. One of the things he was talking about, about, about how many uh, versions of ourselves we have over time. And I'm thinking about that as a connection to what Chad was saying and, you know, having my own dark days of addiction and realized how essentially at least two guys there, you know, the public one and the private one. Um, and wondering, even if, even if this is, this is the weird thought that just comes to my mind. If we see ourselves as a team, like if I see myself, I am a team unto myself. Like there is ambitious Adrian, there's likable Adrian, there's like total steamroller dickhead Adrian, there's like cowardly, there's like all these different, different our moods, personas, definitely different visions um, that are going on that produce that type of mindset and that type of behavior. And, and as, a, as I guess an invitation to those that are listening, that might be kind of silently suffering. I would, you know, like when you're going through something and you're working really hard not to notice how bad it really is or not to notice or, you know, kind of minimizing or justifying like anybody that's got any kind of addiction going on, you're spending a lot of time trying to make it okay so you can keep it up. And you're really tolerating a really poor performer on your team, you know, the equivalent to that. Like, you know, there's a part of you that's like really kick-ass. If you listen to this, there's a, a huge part of you that's really kick-ass, the, the one that you're really proud of and the one that you talk about and the ones you present publicly or present publicly. And there might be versions of yourselves or moods you're in or patterns or habits or whatever where you've just you've just decided this is the person I've inherited and I'll just try to make the most of this person. And my invite is that, you know, if you've got those feelings already, you know, we love leaders here. So we love you. And we don't usually get in these types of topics on this podcast. So it's worth having this conversation that if you've if you're wondering if it's bad enough to get help, it already is. Yeah, right. That's you know? a great that's a great standard right there. It's like if that's, that's what they say in AA. If, you know, if you're saying, I'm wondering if I'm drinking too much, uh, then you already are. Most people don't ask that. 
you know, people that have a regular relationship to alcohol don't ask themselves if they drink too much. Like people that have a abnormal relationship to alcohol are the ones that have already, you know, you're already in some of those categories. So anyway, my strong invite is just to, is to find, to, to, to double down on what Frank was saying earlier is, uh, you know, suffering with someone is exponentially uh, better than suffering alone. Because it might be a long road, it might be a long road out. It might not be. It might be a very short road out. That was my experience of getting through all my shit. Um, it wasn't a long road at all. It was actually just it took a clear decision. And as soon as I asked for help, I, I had buttressed my life with people that were committed to me, and it, it shifted on a dime. But that's part of the lie that we live with. Is you know we've we've built this really you know we've we. We built a whole 20 year story and oh shit, if I decide no, it's going to be a 20 year exit. Well, not the case. Doesn't have to be the case. If you get, but you only want to do that is if you're really committed to life and you're not willing to settle for the despair. But my strong invite as a guy that's walked through that journey is like, and waited way too long. I mean, whatever, you wait as long as you need to wait. But if I think back on it now, like when I could have intervened and taken the risk, which was just simply a confession, like, hey, I'm, I'm struggling. That's that's how the conversation begins. So anybody that's listening, we love you and want you to really have the life you want. And any kind of toleration um, of anything less is going to, you know, you're hamstringing yourself. So from, a, you know, multiple people on this call or on this in this podcast that, you know, have walked through this. So we're here for you. I really love the frame that you use there, Adrian, with like the multiple you know, I don't want to say personalities, but like the multiple people within us, right? You know, the ambition driven, you know, the kind of chill, like, you know, framing it, framing it that way, though, ties in, obviously, the topic of your guys podcast, right? Leadership, because we look at ourselves as a team that we must lead and manage first, that then creates that kind of individual leadership, that if you're going to effectively lead others, you have to start with with leading your, yourself. And I think that frame there, like, it, it's a great way to to frame up the topic of individual leadership because yeah you have to master your personal leadership first and if there's an area in your life that you're not fully taking responsibility or you know I've inherited this this person like you know the inheritance is like now we're a victim like we've we've been given this and it's out of our responsibility to be able to change or out of our ability to change it so I just I, I love the frame there of of how we have to manage our own kind of internal team well this is um this has been a rich conversation, no pun intended. I say that almost every <laughs> every time, and now I'm thinking, wow, he's just that gonna, was in the future. He's gonna, in the future, he's going to say this has been a very frank, rich conversation. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's 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 it's, it's 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 all right, guys, because I was interviewed on Monday by somebody else, and the entire the entire conversation, she just called me rich. Like she literally introduced me as, "Hey, guys, I'm here with Rich," and I'm like. Should I, should I, should I correct her? And I was like, you know what? Having this name for 39 years, like it's not the first time. The man with two first names. Yeah. (laughs) The man with two first names. Frank, thanks so much, man. Such an an added gift to the conversation here and and a new voice and, and an opportunity for reflection. I I know that this isn't, I, I know we're drawing parallels to leadership and I know this isn't directly about the, or isn't around the typical content that we have, but anything that, recognizes people who are suffering and the love that we have for them and the and and the the possibility that's out there for them both in this conversation and the conversations that they have in their life uh i'm i welcome with open arms and 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 i'm grateful that you brought this conversation to our podcast thank you 
Yeah, well, I, well, I appreciate you guys. This was um, this was an, an, an incredible conversation, dialogue. I have a lot of respect, and I love what you guys are creating here. And I think you know these type of conversations are not often in the business realm, but they might be some of the most important ones. So I have a business partner in our mastermind, uh, Larry Yatch. He's a founder of uh, SEAL Team Leaders. They they work with high level executives um, in a division of their company, like helps companies scale through the healing of trauma of, of CEOs. Oftentimes the guys that have to reach the top, they do it through sheer grit and just pushing through because they just push down all of the stories that they're telling themselves. So I think sometimes like this has to come out. So tons of love and respect for what you guys are doing here. And it's been an incredible honor joining you guys today. Thank you. I, I want to point people again to the superhuman life podcast. Is there, a, is there an episode in particular that you're, that you're that like particularly proud of that you would point people to? Man, um, God, besides, man, the one that's gonna, besides the one that's going to come out on, on December 26th. Yeah, the episode dropping on on uh, the 26th, I think that's one one fifty eight. I mean, I've been proud of all of them. Episode one really impacts the story of what we've been able to create there or what started everything. Uh, for this audience, I would point you to, I think it's 128 with uh, Larry, Larry Yach, uh, the founder of SEAL Team Leaders. So lead into leading your teams, leading your family, leading your uh, organization. Larry wrote the book called How Leadership Actually Works. He spent 10 years um, as a lieutenant within SEAL Team 3, leading some of the most aggressive missions in, in the world with 100% success rate. So he understands and sees leadership like nobody else in the world. So yeah, episode 128, lead your family like a Navy SEAL, Lieutenant Larry Yach. Go check it out, my friends. That's that's great. Uh, I put you on the spot with that request, but I appreciate your promise. And, I, I always love directing people to us to a singular place so that they can really know where to start. So appreciate it, Frank. Thank you so much, man. Thank you, guys. Frank. Thanks, right, Frank. Bye, everybody. Well, my friends, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Naked Leadership Podcast. As a heads up, every Friday we post a Cliff Notes version of that week's conversation with all the highlights in under five minutes. Check that out for a quick and powerful reminder of the principles discussed. I hope this conversation has been valuable to you. If it has, the greatest compliment you could pay us is sharing it with somebody who could use it. Thanks so much for listening and until next week, bye-bye everybody. Bye-bye.